Everybody to the fabulous episode 99. I can hardly believe it. Episode 99 of the Metabolas 2 podcast. The next podcast will be episode 100, but this is episode 99, the mighty episode 99. The very first episode 99 of the Metabolas 2 podcast. Exactly. <laughs> the episode that is a, a soft serve ice cream with a flake stuck in it. Hmm. Um, that's a British reference. A 99 flake is soft serve ice cream with a chocolate bar in it. Absolutely ah, delicious. Yeah. Anyway, so it's episode 99. I'm Ben. That's David. Let's get on with it. Yep. Let's get taken away. Let's get taken away. It takes you away. Where does it take you to, David? I'm going to throw it to you. Well, where does this episode take you to? To, to a the happy anti zone and then the solid track universe. The solid track universe. Ooh. This was uh, this was an interesting episode, wasn't it? It was uh, a little bit unexpected. It uh, started yeah. out, I think, playing Reveled quite... in its unexpectedness. It did. Uh, Wales, I think, did a nice stand-in for Norway with a little bit of CGI mountains in the background. Why Norway, though? That's one of my questions. Why Norway? Why not, why not just Wales? Well, Norwegian woods, I thought. It was a beetle, a subtle beetle reference for... Oh, really? It's, I don't know. That, I'm not, <laughs> I, I don't know that song very well. Does it have trolls and frogs and things? No, it? it doesn't have no. any of that. And oh, okay. If it was, uh, Eric would have been wearing a... Beatles t-shirt rather than a Slayer t-shirt. So. That's true. Is Slayer done a cover of Norwegian Wood? Uh, I don't know. I'll have Maybe. to look. You have to look that up. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm interrupting. Yeah, I was confused why yeah why it couldn't just be in Wales, but I guess you know, Norway's is good anywhere else. It could have been mm-hmm. Chile. Well, Argentina. it was odd because they had filmed The Witchfinders and it had snowed and that would have worked out perfectly for Norway in the winter, but instead it looked kind of a little, a little wet, a little British- but not very Norwegian. Yeah, it didn't look as Norwegian as it could have done. I mm-hmm. I thought, and I I thought, uh, well, like, here's my take. I mean, the uh, the young actress. I'm gonna just pull up her name. Ellie Walwork. Ellie Walwork, who is cutest to her. She's actually blind. She wasn't just pretending. Also, and this is one of her first acting jobs, as far as I can gather from the internet. Had to also pretend to be Norwegian. You know, which is like okay. Mm. I guess, but that creates an, an extra level of difficulty for someone okay. if you've not only got to do your lines and pretend to be someone else, which is what acting is, but you've also got to be pretend to be Norwegian too. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought she did okay. She did okay, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's, always, it's always a gamble, I guess, when you cast a new young actor. Yeah, yeah, especially if you ask them to do a Norwegian accent. Or be twins, and all be, twi- all be twins. That's true. Well, actually, they were twins, but never mind. Uh, <laughs> they, they, deep they cut were, for uh, end of season 21 there. They, they, they weren't just acting being twins. They were actually twins. It would have been funnier if they like weren't twins at all, 
the twin dilemma and they just were acting being twins <laughs> that would have made that so like even less bearable well they could have what been fraternal twins right those aren't identical twins oh that's so. true yeah well they could have had one as a one as a girl twin and the other as a boy twin Ooh, there you go anything yeah. to make that more interesting anything actually <laughs> they could have done anything else anything in the twin dilemma to make it better you know i just ordered that on dvd really it's the final the final classic dvd that i don't own wow yeah okay did you pick like, it up I, for like two pounds or something or? i was like i mean the pound is good right now so um yeah it was like oh i've got i, I for such a long time it was like what, what was it it was like the twin dilemma and then uh mark of mark of the rani oh i like mark of the rani really yeah Really? Yeah, well... I mean, I'll... I haven't watched it since I hate-watched it when it first came out in the <laughs> 80s. So, um, so yeah, so I finally broke down, and now I have a complete set of Doctor Who DVDs. Well, congratulations. Anyway, sorry, we're getting way off topic here. That That is an epic way of marking our 99th podcast. It is an epic way, yes. My f- I finally broken... And to be honest, on The Twin Dilemma, I'm only going to be watching the special features. <laughs> I think mine is still in the shrink wrap, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, think, I think, yeah, mine is going to... It's going to be a hard time to get that one out of the shrink wrap. Exactly. Uh, well, my hope was I have a complete collection, and that's going to be worth something. But but no, we have the Blu-ray box sets now. I so. know. <laughs> well, my tactic... And now, we, I mean, we can always edit this out and put this in a different <laughs> podcast. My tactic is that my is I have a whole... I have a, a reasonably large proportion of my DVDs assigned by the actors. Ooh. So that was my plan. Oh. Is that when I got when when they all came out in Blu-ray, I could just resell them, and they'd be actually be worth money. Well, Colin Baker's going to be in Gallifrey. Going to get in line and. No way is he. Yeah, he's. I'm going to bring my copy of the Twin Dilemma. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, he's the headliner of Gallifrey this year. I'm not being paying attention to that. I, I, Colin Baker's brilliant, and I, I, I am, I'm definitely bringing my copy of the Twin Dilemma so he can sign it for me. See, if I was a getting things signed i would do uh, some of the big finish work i think personally oh really yes but yes. but you know just the fact that he does do the twin dilemma that would be a rarity it would be a rarity yeah and what i'll do i'll say to him colin this is my favorite doctor who ever i think <laughs> you were the best in it i thought the twins were brilliant uh, anyway he'll but, see right through that ruse though <laughs> i think he'll see through that quite quickly okay we need to get back to it takes you away mm-hmm. well we were uh, d- diverted into the anti-zone there briefly. we were diverted <laughs> into the anti-zone the classic indeed. who anti-zone so it started out as you know a kind of moffat style kind of lock room mystery uh, the eating dirt bit really kind of going really is this where we want the doctor to go right now eating eating dirt that uh sheep have been frolicking in very recently yeah that was weird and then the whole the sheep war thing woolly that... rebellion of 2211 yeah, yeah that's, that's that's almost as the milk wars yeah it's, it's a you know it's a standard throwaway line but if you're going to do a standard throwaway line at the very least make it uh uh what's the word cool like <laughs> a, um like something that might actually happen mm-hmm um, sheep aren't going to rebel. Right. The sheep. Yeah. Really? Well, they, they literally are. Could you imagine Bob Holmes doing this in like the towns of Wang Chang with the Woolly Rebellion of yeah. 2211, where the uh, sheep marked marched on Reykjavik with <laughs> with yeah. Magnus Greel? Uh, it just yeah. it, do, it doesn't. It's so implausible and it's it's ludicrous. It's 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 absurdist Doctor Who, which it doesn't really work very well, I think, with the Whitaker Doctor. 
I don't think it very works very well at all. With, with actually. any of them, with any of them, really, that kind of absurd, uh, absurd a McCoy, McCoy, maybe? McCoy, yeah, because he'll say it with a twinkle. Right, right. A um, twinkle. That—that's what's missing. Yeah, maybe there's a twinkle, and then there'll, of course, there'll be a Virgin New Adventure where you know oh there goodness. are some sheep. Well. Uh, <laughs> Who rebel? Um, yeah, so that was better. So I mean, I actually, I actually quite like the Earth eating thing. That, mm, that I, okay. I, I, I didn't mm. mind that too much. I think that's a credible doctory behavior. <sighs> maybe for this doctor, possibly. Yeah, you know, it's eccentric. Uh, maybe it isn't. Maybe you're convincing me that it wasn't good. I don't know. I would have thought we would have seen that earlier where would we have seen it could we would have seen it like in demons of the punjab if this was a thing this is just weird yeah we're in the punjab yeah okay yeah i don't know it didn't work for me okay but the thing that did work for me i think this is this was a story that worked very well with the scoring of sagan akinol this is a type of music that i think works very well for uh, this type of uh, drama, which is, it started out as a horror trope. It was, it was kind yeah, of a play I, I in was, a horror I, film. I was just about to say that. I mean, it was reminding me of The Cabin in the Woods or that, you know, any of those Neil Marshall films like The Descent or that one with the werewolves. Um, it felt like a low-budget, hardcore French horror movie, <laughs> what it started out as, you know, because the the protagonist is a young girl. She's actually blind. Um, right. It felt like watching, beginning to watch one of those extreme French horror movies from like you know the early two thousands to me, mm, um, okay. which is you know it was a, that and that was a weird feeling. It was like oh is this what it's going to because obviously it wasn't going to be like that. So my question right. was okay, what is this going to end up being then? Because it's obviously right. not going to end up being that. And uh, Ryan seemed to have a pretty good grasp on the whole situation. He sussed it out right away that her dad. <laughs> Dad did a runner. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I guess, his dad. Yeah, in a kind of weird way. Yes. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I guess because his, his dad as well did that too. So, yeah, makes sense. After his uh, mom died. Yeah, exactly. Uh, There's a nice bit of a parallel that Ryan, uh, he identified it immediately. that, And he thought that Hannah was making up the monster noises. But then when he found out the wire going out outside the speaker... I mean, he is just like he can't. He couldn't believe it. You got to be kidding. Yeah, and you know what? I couldn't believe it either. I thought I thought I thought they were kidding because like it's Norway. It's pouring with rain or something. Like how are those mm-hmm. speakers even working? Like where's the electricity come from? Like where's the mm-hmm. recording device? How did he record the monster noises? Like right. what person who's who isn't from space or or is in a or is in a Doctor Who show believes right. that there are monsters outside? Right. Yeah. Well, I, I, that's one of the things that kind of bothered me about this because it seemed pretty, a, a pretty abusive situation mm-hmm. that Hannah was in with her father. Yep. With, I mean, using this kind of scare tactics. Yeah. She's isolated. Yeah. And her dad's using scare tactics to keep her inside. It turns out that he has all these bear traps. And as far as I know, leg hold traps are outlawed in Scandinavia, so or in at least Norway. Done your research. Well, I I, I think so. I I I did. Yeah. Um, many years ago, I did some research on fur trapping and leg hold fur traps, and I believe. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Well, school is school. Oh, right? school. Right. So I, I, <laughs> so, wow, that's a strange, yeah. strange oh, just a passing. Pa- no. Pa- 
passing interest. Right, no. right, yeah. But so, but I believe like hold traps for bears or any animals were pretty much outlawed in Scandinavia. Yeah, as they should uh, be. Yeah. So Hannah said at the end that her dad has been really sick and he needs help. Yeah, it does. And he builds this fortress. He he barricades this house in. He has this elaborate hoax to keep her entrapped inside, and the doctor just leaves them like that. I, it's it's a return to the status quo. But I don't really trust Eric at all to nope. be a good parent. And He's a bad parent. yeah, yeah, I trust him to be a bad parent. <laughs> I just it just. Ugh. Well, I'm now desperate to return to my point. It's like, even with an abusive parent of some kind, or, you know, kind of emotionally abusive, I guess, mm-hmm. and she's, the, the, you know, the girl's a teenager, right? She's not at like a... I'm guessing she's 13. She's 13 or something. And I know that, I, you know, I've brought up 13. My girls have both been 13. They're not... At the age of 13, even if there were, like, noises of monsters outside, they wouldn't have believed that there was a monster outside. Right. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's it seems a bizarre way to keep someone in a cabin is to is to pretend that there's up because at the age of thirteen you don't believe in monsters right you might believe in terrorists or murderers or something but you only believe in monsters if monsters exist and monsters don't exist in the real world right. so what world was this girl living in I guess that's my point mm-hmm. it seems like a really unlikely thing to do I mean it's something that makes sense and here I think we return to themes we've been developing in other uh, stories this well I'm returning to a theme we were developing and talking about other stories this season it, it only really works as a way of keeping her in the cabin if we also believe that it's a monster and the only right. reason that we believe it's a monster is because this is a Doctor Who series where right. there are such things as monsters right so it's, yeah. it's it's a misdirection thing again mm-hmm. which only works because we all are in a Doctor Who show and right. so are they at right. this point which is kind of bizarre we're in the Doctor Who universe so of course it has where to there be are a monster it, it yes. could be a monster of course it could be a monster because monsters because that's what the doctor does the right. doctor fights monsters mm-hmm. So yeah, mm. well, but she doesn't this season. She doesn't fight monsters, even though. And again, we'll, I might return to this. Real waste. I feel this season is this kind of diktat that we can't have old monsters mm. when there are plenty of awesome back catalogue monsters who could have served a useful purpose. Do you think, that- as there are alternative universes as mm. well, you know, and we don't have to invent a new one. Do you think this would have worked well or worked at all without the monster? I think it would have been fine. I mean, I, th- I think they could have easily have found another abusive way to keep this poor girl locked up in a cabin mm-hmm. without resorting to making her think, which is completely unrealistic, or actually more accurately, ma- making us think that she's being kept there by a monster. Right. And the monster has taken away her dad, which, again, there is no 13-year-old on the planet who would <laughs> believe that. Well, Unless, of course, they were living in a Doctor Who universe well, where there are monsters. We don't know how long ago Treen has died. And we don't know That's how true. long... She could have been in that cabin for years. Is that, is that what you're saying? Right. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe because she could have had some kind of arrested type development where... In which case, this is a real, this is a real, you know, who's that guy? Who's that seller guy yeah. in Austria? I can't remember his name now. You know. Um, ah. You oh, locked up I his family know. in a cellar for like 25 years. Right, right. It really is an abuse. Right. I mean, this this poor girl has been literally 
so I, there's at least some kind of psychological abuse going on and the doctor just walks away at the end exactly exactly yes and yeah the, yeah the re she resets the universe but she doesn't she doesn't fix the real emergency of Hannah's relationship or her her living situation with her father, which uh, it it I found it very disturbing. I guess which is only really uh, 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 Fritzel Joseph Fritzel was the guy who locked his family in, yeah, a, right. in a cellar for twenty five years. His daughters, um, right? It was his daughters. Yeah, it was horrible. The whole thing was absolutely just just the worst. Which is what this is basically. I mean, it, the only way to understand this poor girl is that she's been locked up in this cabin for years, right? And has basically become mad, um, right? And she means, did seem a little mad, I think. Yeah, which is which is a horrific situation that you know. Uh, isn't really wiped away by meeting a frog from another dimension and then flying off in the TARDIS. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Yeah. But if, I guess what I mean is, you know, the, is the only reason that this is happening in its order to provide us with the misdirection that we think it's some kind of monster. So right. again, you know, people in the show, within the show's, can, you know, dramatic envelope are being manipulated to provide us with kind of misdirection-style entertainment. Right. Which I think Chibnall and his uh, stable of writers have lent on pretty heavily this they season. They have. Yeah, absolutely they have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So, 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 so the writing itself, I thought, had some pretty good lines. Ed Hine had some pretty funny lines with the cheese and pickle uh, Sarni that that was Graham... good Graham again Graham is the standout star of this season mm -hmm. uh, you know if only he'd bought his witch's hat with him <laughs> and would wear it regularly I, I just I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that I, my mm -hmm. fantasy is that Graham like you know just kind of gathers things from each episode he's in like mm -hmm. a sandwich or like a witch's hat and like just kind of just starts wearing them randomly <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, it would be nice to see them change up their clothes a little bit, I think. It is a little bit. It is a little bit, um, yeah, Tegan Javanka's... It is a little uniform. Air hostess uniform. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. But, I mean, he, it was anyway. a good, good follow-on from Rosa where he wasn't able to eat and he gets low blood sugar, so he's learned that he needs to carry a sandwich with him. Yeah, yeah. You know, and this, I, I don't know how he makes a cheese and pickle sandwich in the TARDIS. I guess the TARDIS food machine can whip up some Branston pickle and some Tesco cheddar, maybe, and <laughs> you can slap it together. Who knows? So Who is knows? this a particularly British sandwich? Or? Cheese and pickle sandwich, yeah. I mean, I, I had one for my lunch at the oh, weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> uh, do people not eat cheese and pickle sandwiches here? Uh, I think pickle would be on the side, and it would be more of a lunch meat cheese sandwich if they're going to do anything like that. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, your, your pickles are horrible. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it would have to be proper pickles. So we well, would we have, have to be... Have nice to be brine Branston. pickles. I don't know what. No, 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 no. So you know, so Branston pickle—that's like a malt vinegar sugar. It's mm. more. It's like a oh. chutney. It's like okay, a chutney. Okay. is what so it is. It's a, it's a cheese and sweet, sweet bitter. Is it bittersweet or sweet sweet? Uh, sweet sour. It's a sweet sour fruity, and it's a fruit sweet sour fruity stuff. Yeah. Is it more of a relish then, rather more than more of a like relish? A whole I think you probably call it a relish. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. And All I only right. know this because, of course, you know, part of the horror of me living in the United States is I'm <laughs> endlessly trying to find decent food to eat. Mm. Um, like where you know, should I make my own pickles or do I just like order them from Amazon? I mean, I just mm. ordered some pickled walnuts, which are, I'm very much enjoying at the moment. I see. So anyway, we're getting off topic again. 
But a lot of it, a lot of it hinged on that misdirection at the very beginning. Yes, it did. Where it makes sense. Okay, the house is all messy. There's a lot of mess because Hannah can't see to clean up. There's a lot of wrappers and stuff because, well, she is a teenager and they're kind of piggy. But then she also can't see to clean up. Yeah. So, which also is kind of horrific. But there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Again, her dad's leaving her alone. I mean, okay, the excuses is this. she's a teenager and she can take care of herself, but she. She's a terrified teenager. She's been put in this uh, psychologically uh, terrorizing situation and uh, left to fend for herself, thinking that her dad has disappeared or has been killed. Right. And then the doctor takes advantage of her blindness by writing that message on the wall. Yeah. And it seems like everyone is taking advantage of Hannah's blindness. And that, that was another thing I did not expect the doctor to do. Well, again, you see, I mean, the doctor's doing only doing it because the doctor's in a TV show that's written by people. You know, I mean, this is what's kind of irritating me a little bit about this is that it's all it's all sort of I don't, and there's probably a technical term for this. I don't know what it is, but, you know, it's all kind of internalized and to do with creating various points during the episode where we feel something or, you know, a particular kind of plot piece mm-hmm. is there and it doesn't really fit together in any kind of logical way other than the fact that this is just a TV show. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know I wonder if, yeah. yeah, I wonder if this is a, a symptom of the writer's room. I was going to say this, and this was something I've been thinking about since I watched it. The plot kind of wobbles, not wobbles, it kind of, you know, it moves around a lot. Right. This one, I think, particularly is kind of very tonally uneven. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering whether this is Doctor Who learning how to work with a writer's room. I and mean, a writer's room is not very common in the UK. I mean, I think right. the only reason it's getting common is because everyone's like, oh, awesome writer's room. It's what the Americans do, and they're brilliant. Mm. But, uh, you know. Well, we had two good hooks for the writer's room. One is Graham carrying the pickle. Yep. Cheese and pickle sandwich. That and was the, good. That and was then good. the end end bit. Well, I guess we we have Grace returning or the uh, mirror Grace returning, but then the end with the the granddad bit with Graham and Ryan. Yeah, kind that of little, was good. The little yeah. epilogue scene. Yeah. So I think those are types of things that you either the showrunner would normally tack on, like a Stephen Moffat would add right. in. But when you're in a writer's room, when there's communication, you know kind of the threads that you're weaving through. And throughout this series, it's been an exploration of Graham and Ryan's relationship after the death of Grace. Yeah, yeah. So that, that, yeah. Works, that works really well. A little bit with Yaz saying why she's good with children is you know, because she's had training and you have to... Yeah, that was good. You have to reinforce what they, they trust will make them safe. So That was good, I mean, yeah. I mean, it goes out the window towards the end, but you know, yeah, no, that yeah. was that was good to start with, yeah. So, absolutely. so there's so there's good good points, but I think if you wanted to tell the story, and I think this where ultimately where it was going is having Grace return, but it's the uh, anti zone Grace or the Soul yeah. Track Universe Grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could envision this happening just entirely in Sheffield, up in Graham's house, in Graham and Grace's house yeah. with a mirror, and causing this problem. Yeah, you you wouldn't have to have the whole Norwegian uh, child abuse situation. No, you wouldn't. As part to tell the story. And the only, and again, as we return into our theme, I mean, the only reason you have the Norwegian child abuse theme is because it's a fake out, right? Like we've had other fake outs in this season. It's supposed to make you think one thing is happening, and then mm-hmm. that thing is naturally happening. 
Yeah. Um, which is kind of abusive to your characters in some way. Well, or once I think it's fine for a series, but it it seems to be reused. It was what we had with Kerblam, too. Yeah. So this is at least the second time that we've had the fake out. I'm trying to think. Or we, we had a lot of fake outs with the uh, Ghost Monument, too, I feel. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, the troll world. So when we go through the mirror, which is a great effect. I thought the mirror, of, uh, the special effects are excellent. Mm-hmm, okay. Um, we'll come on to the frog. But anyway, <laughs> I thought the special effects in general are very, very good indeed. And the balloons on strings. The mirror effect was excellent. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was very well done. We get into these caves. Um, I thought, well, okay, well, maybe they're doing like a Norwegian. That's why we're in Norway. So like, there's a troll. And right. now we're supposed to, th- now we're in like a troll and like trolls are real or something. Which would have been cool. It's the actor Kevin Eldon. Ribbons. Uh, ribbons, yep. yep. Um, just uh, I advise all of my American fans to research the actor Kevin Eldon. He's one of um, Britain's national treasures. Okay. I'm so glad that he's in Doctor Who at last. He is slathered in makeup, which is a bit of a shame. Mm-hmm. But he does a reasonably good job as a character that didn't really have any point into no. him. It was like the Gollum character in The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Or uh, more, well, I guess in The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, where uh, it's the guide to this other world that's going to get you out of the Misty Mountains or get you into Mordor. Or something. And then Ribbons meets an untimely death by going after... The shiny tubular, the sonic. So how long had Ribbons been in those caves? Well, he said to the doctor, he's always been there. Because she asked him several times, how did he get here? And he finally right. said, I've always been here. And why didn't he get eaten by those evil moths before? I guess he had enough six-legged rats to throw and throw distract. Moths. Yeah. So I think he, you know, like this anti, anti-zone sprung up in this uh, schism in the mirror. And it probably kept growing and growing. Yeah. And... So he was uh, created fully formed in this uh, anti-zone? Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll buy that. It's complicated, and it's a shame that we have to come up with the answer for it, but yeah. I mean, actually, one of the things, I've, I've just been rereading one of my favorite um, uh, comic book epics, the Ragnarok job, mm. which is a strontium dog from 2000 AD epic, and they there's, it's also set in Norway, and there's like a time rift thing, and because of a time rift like trolls start appearing mm-hmm. um and it was reminding me very much of that actually and i was wondering whether i mean you know all these people are probably roughly probably they're younger than me but you know similar background i'm wondering whether they were riffing off the ragnarok job at all mm, possibly i don't think so it was kind of confused I mean, it was confusing you know there was a lot of speaking a lot of acting a lot of like i've got a long name um ing mm-hmm. And then what, what, the moths. Ribbon, ribbon of the seven stomachs or yeah, something? Yeah, whatever. Like yeah. And, you know, and, the, <laughs> and then I get eaten by moths, you right. know. And the moths were great. The moths are scary. Flesh moths, yeah. The flesh moths. But then you wonder, like, uh, what? He just suddenly made an error that's. I don't know. It was weird. I, it, was, yeah. it was unnecessarily overly weird. And those balloons on strings would so much like just balloons on strings. That mm-hmm. kind of took me out of the action, too, a little bit. Hmm. Well, yeah. I think it was supposed to be that absurdist or surreal type environment. Yeah, I guess. But as you had mentioned, this we've had many many of these alternative universes. The Matrix or something. Well, or but we've we, well, we had the pocket universe in the Doctor's wife. We had the the weird universe in Hyde, where the Doctor was trapped with that twisted 
twisted form. Good weird, good weird universe there. Yeah, yeah, could and be then, that one. Well, that's exactly. I was thinking, you know, I'm. Do we need yet another parallel universe? Probably do. Solar track universe. Yeah, uh, I but mean, I, mean, I think, it, but it seems more. It just seems disposable. It's kind of gestural. It's sort of like, and here's just another another alternative universe that we've just dreamed up, which is you know. But this is what I mean by back catalog. I mean, there's right. plenty. You know, could have been eSpace. You know, I mean, there's plenty. Yeah, of, or the land of the master of fiction and from the mind could robber. Have, could have been that. It would have fit with the trolls perfectly. Mm-hmm. It would have fit with the frog as well, to be honest. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a gr- such a rich back catalogue of everything in Doctor Who. Why not just use what you've got rather than like race to try and, up, try and come up with something new, which is always going to sound a little bit as if you kind of made it up on the spot. Well, that's what they were doing originally, like with the Land of Fiction. Yeah. It possibly would have been a very good ending for the Land of you know, because it was all, all white like that, and that's how the Land of Fiction began with that whole white white universe right so i i don't know i'm i feel like i'm coming across as being down on heinz creativity but i'm not sure the doctor who universe is enriched by having a solo track universe that causes this kind of schism when it tries to contact and it just wants to be friends and but it can't be so it has to be alone or just just like I'm not sure the Doctor Who universe is that much enriched by having the Doctor having seven grannies. It it's okay, but to what end? Other than maybe a cheap cheap joke about uh, Granny Number Two being a Zygon agent. I'm with you. I'm with you 100. percent Yes, it's 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 that it's that Robert Holmes throwaway thing. But they aren't really understanding how that works, basically. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sit down and write out what the rules are for right. that. But you know, it works well for Robert Holmes. Doesn't really work well in this context. Well, in my right. Opinion. Well, we had the, you know, the seven grannies, or then we have the, the Wooly Rebellion, and it just, it just doesn't. You know, maybe, maybe it's just that it's, it's too new and it hasn't been in, ingrained in the, you know, the Doctor Who consciousness. Yeah, and well, again, I think I think also, I mean, I think it's this writer's room thing. I think people are throwing out ideas in a room and, you know, mm-hmm. we're latching onto them because it's like, it looks good. And I think, well, I think maybe the one of the downsides of the writer's room is that maybe there's not enough kind of, you know, editorial control and people really working through a concept and right. making sure that it actually functions well. Right. And the reason why I don't think it functions, this anti-zone, the solo track universe functioned really well is because in order for us to feel the peril or to understand what it is, the doctor had to do several very long info dumps to Yaz of what it meant. Yes. Where she sits her down on the bed and says, you know, this is a fabric of the universe. It's under a threat. And then, you know, what could this be? And then it seemed to me like you were still in the pitch stage and right. Right. even with this extra five minutes of time that every serial has this season, it's not enough to pitch this idea or yeah. weave it in because you spent the first 20 minutes setting up the... Pretending uh, that there was a monster when yeah. there wasn't one. <laughs> well, you, right. You could, have, you could have had just at the very beginning, we already know Graham's. You didn't have to introduce uh, Graham. We've seen him alone in his house with Arachnids in the UK, he could have just hit that mirror at that time and Ryan could have been over and they could have done the whole cool bit with 
uh, Ryan saying, uh, we would know if we were vampires, right? I mean, that was a funny line. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, you, yeah. you wouldn't have to do the whole uh, Norway bit. No, and I mean, imagine how, I'm now imagining it, you know, uh, just imagine an episode where the, the central tension in the episode was the return of Graham's dead wife. Mm-hmm. This is what I, I think I mean about back catalogue, is that even within New Who, and I'm not, obviously if, to go back to old who would be too much, but within you know in the, within this new within the new series since 2005, there are plenty of dead people that the doctors cared about. Mm-hmm. I was curious to know why the doctor wasn't also tempted by someone who was dead. That would have been interesting. You know, I mean, Bill, I mean, Clara, Bill, Clara. Oh, you can know, you imagine Rose how? Is an alternative universe. How epic would have that been? You know, if they got well, Billy just, Piper back. Well, if they didn't even even if they would have had Pearl Mackey back. Yes, and it, and it was Bill, and yeah. and, and which is so, just the last series. I mean, you know, right. We even though we might have been only watching Doctor Who for a couple of years, we all still remember Bill. Right. Yeah, that would have had a double whammy. I mean, having yeah. Grace back was emotional for Graham. Yeah, but Graham's new. Yes, it's emotional for Graham. It's not so emotional for us though. Wasn't emotional for us, but I also thought the writer. They didn't know what to do with Ryan, so they kept him separate from his grandma. Right. You know, okay, right. to to keep Ryan, they had the tension with him and Hannah. They didn't get along because he thought that, correctly so, that Eric did a runner. Right. But they didn't want to have Yaz looking after the teenager, the babysitter. So she gets to go into the anti-zone. Then Ryan chases after Hannah into the anti-zone. But you would have thought that there would have been some kind of emotional uh, meeting between the grandma who raised Ryan and the mirror grace mm-hmm. or, you know, between Ryan and his, and the mirror grandma. It just, it, it was missing. And it seemed like you were trying to pack too much in with this Norwegian setting where, where, as a writer, you missed the real emotional punch, which was having you missed the mirror grace. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I was amazed. I mean, really. I mean, I thought that was a, that was great when that happened. But then I was also kind of amazed, like, why isn't there more of this bit? Because this is the stuff that's really kind of like interesting and emotional, right. and et cetera, et cetera. And like, mm-hmm. and they kind of rushed through that. They did. Um, you didn't you know. need any of the ribbons bit. Not really. Not, I mean, not you at needed all. it if you wanted to fake everybody out to think that this mm. was about a monster that lived in a cave um, who Horror, was right. trying to get away from some flesh-eating moths. Right. But it wasn't about that. It was about a mirror universe that was trying to get itself into our... Or not, well, a universe that you can get through from behind a mirror, but like a, an anti-universe from the dawn of time that was trying to convince us to let it into the real universe, which is... A, that's, that's a pretty good story. I'd, I'd watch that. And I think you could have done a whole episode about that. Right. As we have been describing. Yeah, so there's really... There's two stories in here that didn't, I think, work very well together. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You could tell yeah. the, I think you could tell the Soul Track Universe story, or you could have told the Norwegian story. Yeah. And the Soul Track Universe, Universe story, I think, worked would have worked really well if it would have been, say, in Graham's house. Yeah. Uh, we've already established that we're seeing Ghost Grace in his house. Then we have a full manifestation behind a, a, a mirror. Right. Ryan goes looking for him. He's He's missing. 
and you know that leads into the adventure or something like that and we have the whole thing with uh with but i guess that's what's so frustrating about this but then the whole thing that it was very cleverly written at the end where graham says you know this is just a con you're a fake where 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 ryan was in danger and grace didn't care or solo track mirror grace didn't care yeah so that yeah. that that was good so i guess you you needed the anti-zone or you needed ryan in some kind of peril to to break the spell yeah yeah and then, I mean, just to fast forward to the end, you end on a, you know, a kind of transcendent note with the reveal that the solar tract is not evil in any real way, but more kind of misguided and it's lonely and it needs right. a friend right. um, and it's a frog. Right. Which I'll have to say, you know, there's not been as, as unconvincing an animatronic, animatronic <laughs> animal than the kitlings in survival. Of which the I think the frog is a is an admirable successor. <laughs> like it's a f- plastic frog moving around. That's not a real. I mean, come on, yeah, you know, they did got look c- very froggy to me. Yeah, I mean, they did a great job with those moths, who presumably were with CGI. Why couldn't they do a CGI frog? Maybe it's harder to do a talking frog. I mean, <laughs> the Muppets do it. Yeah, you always run the risk of Kermit. You do. Well, the you know the the axons. There's there's frogs in that. It's like a giant frog. They could have done that. <laughs> Like it just got a real frog, just close mm-hmm. up. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I so I so I wasn't very impressed by that, and that kind of took me out of the action a little bit. It's like because mm-hmm. I was trying to observe, like you know, how many points of articulation they put into that into that plastic frog that they were working with, and then it all became kind of you know pathos. And then we sort of returned to the troll thing. And I was thinking, oh, maybe this is a fairy tale because you know the doctor's going to kiss the frog and it's going right. to turn into a something or I don't know whatever. I was really wanting the doctor to be tempted. I wanted someone. I wanted Bill yeah. or, you know, Katri- you know, Adric or someone to turn up. <laughs> <laughs> like a like a CGI de-aged Adric. <laughs> um, and that and that didn't happen either. And so then I was I was disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, that that was Matthew another Waterhouse. that was another misbeat where the doctor wasn't tempted at all. No. She's willing to sacrifice herself, but then it seemed very easy for her to talk her way out of it, too. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think the thing is the thing about the doctor sacrificing herself. I mean, the doctor's always sacrificing her his or herself for something, but always gets right. out of it. So that's not a surprise. Mm-hmm. But, you know, let's have her be tempted by something really serious like Bill. You know, or Adric. Or just or that the solar track is incredibly interesting. Or tempted by her scientific curiosity. Yeah, the, right. You know, I'm tempted to stay here because it's fascinating. Right. She said the solar track was the maddest, most beautiful thing she's ever experienced. But those are just words. We didn't. See, we, what I saw the solar track is, is, is a manipulative, kind of petty, uh, childish uh, frog being that. It's the uh, Q. It's the Q of the Doctor yeah, Who universe. Yeah, it is. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Frog Q. Frog Q. Frog Q! It's <laughs> <laughs> what we should be shouting at people in future. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. I, it... I really wanted it to catch a fly with its tongue. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted it to catch one of those moths. I wanted to see it's, it's eating those moths with its big, long frog tongue. And it was sitting in a room that was made of like cloth and stuff. It was like, oh, that's a cheap looking room. I think it was supposed to be the the A frame upstairs A frame, but then just all white void. Yeah, it looked cheap to me. Um, <laughs> did you see the pictures on Twitter? 
Oh, of the uh, monster that didn't make it? Yeah, so what, what's the deal with that? I think it was probably another monster in the anti-zone that they would have uh, met but cut due to time. Really? Because, I mean, I, I was sort of under the impression that that's what the frog was going to be. I think that was someone's speculation. I do not believe that. I think it was oh, another okay. monster. Because if it was the monster... then that would explain the cheapness of the frog and also the cheapness of the frog setting to me. Is It was like, oh, shit, this is too frightening. Let's turn it into a frog. No, I don't think it was a monster. I think it was okay. another monster. Because if you look at the sets, it, it was with ribbons and stuff. You wouldn't have... You would have had it on the Norwegian house set. You wouldn't have had it in the tunnels set. That's true. That's so true. I think this was, I saw that tweet. I think it came from one disgruntled viewer who thought that the frog was really lame and this was supposed to be the frog. And I disagree with, I I think it was always supposed to be a frog. Now, Ed Hine, okay. you know, he can always go to a convention or tweet out that, no, I, I had a change of heart or we changed it. Right, but I right. think it was always supposed to be a frog. I think that's where that's where the whole punchline or the whole joke was because it yeah. it delighted them. That seemed like that was original. That I'm just re- yeah. I'm I'm reading into it. But no, 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 no. That makes that makes sense to me. But again, you know, the sort of delightfulness of the frog mm-hmm. is again, it's like tonally weird because you know the frog's been in charge of like a bunch of shitty things that have happened all the way through, and like and now it's a lovely frog, right? And that doesn't make sense because it's a villain. It's a villain. It's been horrible to people. Right. Just like just like poor well, Hannah's dad is right. a villain who deserves to get eaten by a monster. <laughs> really? He's the monster. Well, I think I don't at know. least... He should have been eat- he, he, they should have had him eaten by moths. My only explanation with the moths is why Ryan and Hannah survived is the moths were full from eating ribbons. Right. But yeah, there's moths. They got little tiny tummies, so they're like, "Oh no, we're full now." Even though we're space moths from another dimension. But <laughs> again, this is a this is another uh, scratch the surface and start thinking about this anti zone. It doesn't make a lot of sense. What, before ribbons, what did all the moths eat? There wasn't. If this was a trap that the Solar Track universe set in place in the uh, cabin of Eric after right. uh, Trine died then uh, uh, I well I mean the yeah. way that I explained him but the ribbons thing away mm-hmm. is that like you know that the that this this kind of troll dimension which is the interstitial right cave dimension between the two universes was like it was like Narnia or something it didn't really have a similar time mm-hmm. to normal time and that, you know, Ribbon says he's been there forever or for like a long time, but that's actually not a long time at all or something. Mm. You know, that it's, it's the time doesn't work there. So it the could fact have been just a month or a week. He could have been there like a second. Right. And it would still, for him, it would be like a million years or something. Right. So, uh, I mean, that's how, that's how, that I, you know, the, yeah. that it was a, it was a, because it was between two universes, the time didn't work in a regular way there. That's how I explained it to myself. Right. I mean, I wish I hadn't have to, had to explain that to myself <laughs> in that way, trying to make it, trying to have it make sense, but mm-hmm. I, that's what I did. Hmm. Yeah. 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 So a lot of heavy lifting on the viewers' part on this one. A lot of heavy lifting. <laughs> or alternatively, you just like go with the flow and like, oh, it's a monster. No, it's not a monster. It's a frog. It's, it's, it's a frog. Uh, like, oh, it's a troll. It's mm-hmm. played by Kevin Elder. Oh, there's some scary moths. It's otherwise you you could just oh look there's 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 a there's his 
dead dead wife come back mm-hmm. and she's not really anyway yeah they slay her shirts on backwards yeah um you, there's a whole bunch of things and you just kind of lie back and take it mm-hmm. yeah Ugh, speaking yeah. of lying back and taking it uh, the doctor didn't get to kiss the frog which uh well, i was I think expecting a frog kiss yes. i was expecting a frog kiss uh, considering that uh ninth doctor or eccleston doctor kissed uh Rose, Tenth Doctor kissed Rose and Donna and Martha. Eleventh uh, Doctor and Amy snogged their first season. Yeah. Uh, I, I I think Capaldi had a River Song kiss. The Doctor, I thought, well, what are we gonna do <laughs> with the frog kiss? But nope. Yeah. Well, I can. I think this is a comment that we've made already. I think this season is it's in some ways weird that. We are being super excited that the doctor has changed her sex, right. um, uh, and which is great, and I'm entirely in favor of that. But in changing his sex to female, he has become desexed. Right. So the kind of you know sexy, horny, like snogging people doctor, which is a male thing, mm-hmm. is now a doctor who just has is completely sexless. Right. We're back to the completely classic. Completely sexless. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, which is presumes that even though we're super excited we got a female doctor, we are not excited about female sexuality and find it frightening and intimidating and are worrying that it will scare the children or our viewers away if we explore it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So do we have another 26 years before we see a female doctor kiss uh, I guess we must do, yes. I, 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 I think that's kind of extraordinary that, you know, again, we're, we're kind of... We're making a fuss. We're about... talking about a frog here. We're not even a, not oh, even a about human a frog. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know. But you know the uh, if we've established that the new series Doctor is a sexual being of some kind, right? He's going to continue to be a sexual being when she's even when she. he's a woman, right? Yes. Yeah. But of yeah. course, we don't want to do that because mm. we're sexist, even though we've decided that we're not sexist because we've changed our hero into a heroine, right? Yeah, 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 it's uh, mm. it's questionable. I think it is questionable. Yes, I I find it a little bit suspicious. Anyway, so there you go. Yeah. So we had another. It up- takes you away. Yeah. It takes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I'll have to say. I mean, like I said last week, I find the conversations that we're having about this series to be more interesting than some of the conversations that we had to have about some Moffat episodes. Right. Who who seem to be kind of you know sort of untalkaboutable. They just they were just kind of a mess and there was nothing really to say. Hmm. Um, I think some of the problems with these episodes are interesting problems that it's fun to think about. Right. It doesn't make them any less of a problem. Um, I'm hoping I mean they're gonna have a year off, right? I've just saw the Yeah, we just had the news that they're not they're doing just one episode in January first in twenty nineteen and nothing taking else. The, Taking the year off or, you know... Working in the writer's room. Working at it. I mean, hopefully they'll take away some... I'm, um, You know, Chris, if you're listening to this, which I hope you are, cause you've got a whole year <laughs> sitting on your ass doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, take our advice. Go back into the writer's room. Work a bit harder at it. And um, we'll see you in 2020. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't get how you can take a year off on a, on a television series. I think... Growing up watching Britcoms, this is very common for British television where there's large gaps between seasons and we're seeing see it even more these days like uh, with uh, uh, cable television series like yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Mad Men or 
Breaking right, right. Bad and stuff where there's a long well, Game of Thrones. Game of you know, Thrones. Yeah. We're still not. You know, we'll we have to wait till April now to get the final season of I, that. I just don't understand why why it takes that long to produce a series of Doctor Who. When I mean, I can, we're I can spoiled only, in 2005. We're getting yeah. them every year. I mean, I can only assume that there was some nervousness in the top ranks of the BBC. And an order was given, like, don't make any Doctor Who in 2018 for broadcast in 2019 Mm -hmm. because we don't know how this one is going to go. And maybe we'll have to pull it if it turns out to be a disaster and we don't want to waste our money spending money on stuff that's... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know because ratings have been high enough. Uh, The audience appreciation has been... Around 80. Uh, for... But they didn't know that until they started broadcasting it. I mean, it could have been a complete bust. Everyone could have hated, you know, we all hate women, obviously. So <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm joking. Right. I don't hate women at yeah. all. I love them. I'm being rhetorical. Right. But, um, but even, yeah, even, if they, even if they saw, you know, after the first, you would think that you could have something you could at the end. It. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it does, you pay for the scripts. You may you may not start shooting, but you could at least have scripts and development. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I no, I agree. I think it's I think it's bad. I think it loses momentum. I mean, I guess there's time for like you know I don't know fan stuff to get all. I don't know. I don't know. The pace of the show has really slowed down. We go from 13 episodes from an Anna Christmas special a year to 10 episodes and a New Year's special and a gap year it's not maybe the audience is tired of doctor who i'm certainly not tired of jodie whittaker i would like to see her more on our screen i would honestly i think at this point i'd like to see a little different take on the character but even even the great moffat himself changed directions with capaldi on his second series Yes, the great Mo- the great Moff did. Um, I mean, I think uh, you know at least give us a summertime movie or something, or I don't know, give us a give us give us something at Easter. Do some specials. Um, I'm wondering if there's we're not even going to have a New Year's or Christmas special next year. Well, I mean, aren't they on record of saying it's on New Year's because they run out of Christmassy things to do? Um, right, but I'm wondering if in 2020 we're going to have a New Year's at all. I'm wondering if. Because Chibnall wasn't very big on doing the Christmas special. He wasn't. He's which is why we got twice, as, twice Upon a Time. Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> <sighs> well, show is doomed, obviously. It's over. <laughs> it's, it's finished. The next podcast will be our last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, that means we'll have a whole year. That's how many ever weeks there are in a year. 50 plus weeks. 52. 52 of trying to think, trying to think of other things to talk, to talk we about got which is fine to talk we've about. got plenty to talk about fans don't worry don't mm. worry if you're worried <laughs> we'll we'll fill out those 50 plus weeks well we jiffy. have we have the macro terror oh, animation yeah, we do have the macro terror <gasps> that's exciting we isn't have it? Uh, doctor who and scratchman uh we should get our we'll get, we'll get ourselves copies of the scratch of scratchman and then read it quickly and then talk about it well i'm holding out for uh, i believe tom baker is going to do an Gotta audio book it? of it yes Ooh, so i will be right. i will be listening to it when that comes uh, out well one of us could listen to it one of us could read it yeah, there you go and then we can watch the macro terror that'll be awesome there's so many and great we've had shot on hold and we'll do. I will have to do at least a couple of episodes about our Gallifrey One experience. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, that'll plenty. cover yeah, us through good. March. We're good. Yeah. That takes us through March. <laughs> takes and us then, away. 
And then the wolf weeds will start to gather. And yeah. And we'll have anyway. a creature from the pit retrospective, a, a summer yeah. long scene by scene. You know what we should do? We'll do requests. <laughs> so if there's a Doctor Who thing you want us to talk about, Twitter us. Twitter and Facebook. Twitter and Facebook, and we'll talk about it. <laughs> as long as it's as long as it's not offensive, we'll 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 talk about it for you. Really, yeah, yeah. we yeah. totally will. Well, <laughs> so or not? You can you can you can cut that. Bit <laughs> We're opening ourselves up for that one. That's true. So yeah, that is true. All in mm. all, anyway, uh, it takes you away. Uh, kind of a middling episode for me, I think. Kind of a middling episode, and yeah, really. And I think it's another in. Sorry, we're gonna go. We're, we're now zigzagging back to actually talking about the episode. It's another villain that gets away with it. Um, the villain being her dad, who should have been eaten by moths, or just like Mister Robertson, whatever he's called, should have been eaten by a spider. Mm. And Mister the space fascist from the future should have, I don't know, gotten run over by the bus. He should have been run over by the bus. Exactly. There you go. Yeah, I don't know. And it was a it's a reset to the status quo. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm now back with my abusive dad. Hooray! Yeah, he's going to lock me in a cabin again for another twenty years. Lock me in the apartment. Lock me in the apartment. There you go. Yes, exactly. For another five five years. Lovely. Right. Um, and my mother's dead still, so <laughs> that's also good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a happy ending for Hannah there. Yeah. Yes. Well, so next week it's the finale, and it's our hundredth episode. I'm excited. Yep. Yeah. It'll be good. It will be good. We'll see. What is it? It's the Battle of Rankskur Av Kolos. Yeah, I'm not going to bother to pronounce that. <laughs> um, so, cool. Yeah, well, if you have been... Oh, we, we're finishing now, right? I think so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you have been, thanks for listening. I've been talking with Ben. And I've been talking with David. Until episode 100. Ooh. All right. Well, takes you away. Take us away. Take us away.